1: What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep and dynasty-focused fantasy baseball podcast. My name is Jordan White, and I am joined once again by my good friend, Christopher Weber. Schwebzi. how are you doing tonight? Hi, friends. I'm doing good. It is draft season.
2: I'm in the middle of so many slow drafts all at once. I'm doing uh, two dynasty slow drafts, first-year player drafts as we speak. Um, I'm, I'm moderating some pitcher list staff leagues. Uh, I've also got, uh, oh, oh I think that there's, uh, also I'm doing my staff league right now. So yeah, got a lot going on right now. And speaking of staff leagues, aren't you in some fun staff
1: leagues over in the Petrolist discord? So we have like our usual, like regular old staff league that we have going on. So I'm part of the uh, Mexican Pacific league. I believe it's my staff league that I'm in, but we also have the wacky leagues, which is something I'm probably more excited for. The Wacky Leagues are things that we do with the Pitcher List community on PL+. And there's some really, really interesting ones out there. First of all, you have the Grand Theft League, which is when you win your weekly matchup. You get to steal a player from your opponent's team to make your team better, which is amazing. Wonderful idea. Um, I'm also in... Gosh, what else? I'm in the guillotine league, which is if you are the worst performing team from week to week, you actually get cut from the league completely. And then all of your roster goes into free agency pool for everyone else to fight over with their fab dollars. Another excellent idea. The third one that I'm in is actually one that I came up with this year, since this is the last year that we might see starting pitchers in the NL batting. We have a starting pitcher only league where you draft seven pitchers. You get to choose five of them at the end of the year, whose stats you want to count towards your end of season rankings. And it's a five by four Roto league where the pitchers have to accumulate the hitting stats as well. So you can stack your team with amazing pitchers across the board and then take a bunch from the NL and make sure that you're amazing in your pitching stats. But then you also have to balance that with taking NL pitchers who you know are going to get at bats throughout the season it's one of the weirdest things I've ever been a part of, but it was a really, really good idea, and I'm glad that I came up with it. Uh, I'm hoping that because it was my idea, and this is literally probably the last season we could do it, that I win it. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. I don't know. I got to see who I have in that league, actually, real quick.
2: It's it's the only draft in the world where like Michael Lorenzen
1: is going in the first round. Let's see if I can find the old draft board from this one. So on my team, I have Brandon Woodruff was my first overall pick, which I thought was fantastic. Obviously, in this league, the person that went first overall is Jacob deGrom because, of course, he's the best pitcher in the league and he's in the NL, so he's going to get his at-bats. Uh, call, he, there was a game where
2: he threw like a, a one nothing shutout and hit a dinger, which would be like your optimal
1: performance in this league. That could almost just win you this season by itself. Yeah. Oh, so the categories for this league are going to be uh, runs, home runs, RBIs, and on base percentage and then the fifth offensive category is sbs which does not stand for stolen bases it stands for sacrifice bunts is the fifth offensive category which is incredible and then there's only Zach cranky f- would be furious uh yes he would but he has also- his love yeah. of stolen bases i know i know i know he still gets the chance to I, I really hope he does get his 10 and 10 for the career though that's his goal isn't it to get 10 home runs 10 stolen bases for his career he's got like eight of each right now yeah, that's the one milestone that he said he truly cares about. <laughs> I mean, I hope which he is so it. incredibly on brand. Oh, for sure. And then for the pitching categories, we only went with four. We went with quality starts, K's, ERA, and whip. That's it. So we actually weighted it so the hitting is more heavily favored to hopefully encourage people to take those NL pitchers more so. But yeah, I mean, it's gonna be a really interesting league. I hope that everything plays out well. You
2: would think that Otani was like first overall, but you only get stats for the day that you're starting, yes, right? so
1: you only accumulate stats on the day that you start. So Otani, which in every other situation here would have been the first overall pick without a doubt, obviously, isn't actually as good as most people would assume he is. So that was the one way that we balanced it out, which was really, really nice, too. I don't know. It's going to be... It's nice because it's a set it and forget it league, but it's also still very fun. We don't have to do like any active management. We just choose at the end of the year which five pitchers we want to represent our team as a whole. So hopefully uh, I walk away with that. I also got for my for my boy, uh, Josh Sperry, I made sure to draft Kyle Wright because everyone loves Kyle Wright Day. Uh, And then for my boy, Mikey Aheado, I also got Eliezer Hernandez and TJ Antone. So, I'm hoping that Antone ends up starting. Fingers crossed. Do we have any idea if these guys can hit or we're just. Oh, absolutely not. We just know that they're going to get at bats (laughs) if they're starting. (laughs) We're just hoping and praying. Uh, Woodruff can rake, though. Woodruff hit a home run off of Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs. So famous. There is that playoff home run. My favorite. Oh, God, my favorite replay to watch on YouTube all the time. But a good segue since we just got done talking about a starting pitcher only league, we're actually going to talk about our favorite post 300 picks for starting pitchers in 2021. Uh, Schwebs and I have each picked uh, two pitchers, one kind of post 300, just past the threshold, and then one much, much deeper to kind of go in on. We will start with my pick for my just barely past pick 300 pitcher, Dylan Cease. So Dylan Cease has been a really popular breakout candidate for the past couple of years, but really hasn't been able to figure it out. And with Ethan Katz getting hired by the White Sox, the person who fixed Lucas Giolito a couple years ago, they're wondering what kind of magic he can work with Cease. And we got our first preview this past Monday, and his stuff looked, like, pretty great, honestly. He went three innings and struck out two, only giving up a single hit, which was a soft line drive off the bat of former Brewer Eric Sogard and issued no walks. He also was sitting 96-98 on the gun, so he still has his velocity that we saw last year, which is excellent for his first real action in spring training.
2: Are you are you really going to like let this go without mentioning the BOFA alert? Janice would be so disappointed in you.
1: Well, I also don't really like Eric Sogard that much for reasons. Well, yeah, good reasons. So I wouldn't call him an old friend. Uh, I'd really call him like a Bope, Bopa.
2: Brewer's, Brewer's old player alert.
1: Brewer's old Brewer's passing, old person alert. Brewer's old passing acquaintance alert, I would say, is how I'd describe that. But with Cease, the four-seamer and the slider in this start looked really, really, really good. Um, with the fastball sticking mostly to the edges and the slider looking like an absolute, legit put-away pitch, which was awesome to see. His curveball, it seems like he's going to be throwing more than his changeup this year if we're basing it off of this one start, which is a pretty generous leap to take. Uh, but he threw his curveball something like 10 times and his changeup twice. So if we're taking that as a context clue, I feel like he's going to throw his curveball more this year. He didn't really have a super good feel for it in this outing. But if he does find that feel, it has a really nice shape to it and is a nice change of pace from his fastball being 20 miles an hour slower. So it's a nice, in- or a nice, uh, even slower breaking ball to complement that slider and that fastball. Uh, Overall, his CSW for the game was 25%, which is totally reasonable. And I think that the stuff is there that he can sit around the 30% mark if he's able to command all of his stuff the way he wants to. And his slider is going to be the absolute best of the bunch there. It's just, it's dirty. He had a very, very nice strikeout of Wilson Contreras early in the game that blew me away. Uh, Again, talking about the changeup, he only threw it once or twice. I couldn't find the actual numbers anywhere because I probably honestly I probably didn't look hard enough so I actually went and tallied up all of the pitches from the game myself trying to get an eye for everything uh and it's probably a good thing that he's not planning on using it as much this year considering I got crushed to the tune of a 308 average last year he just left it over the plate way 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 too much speaking of other things that went wrong in 2020 with him he also walked way too many people He had a 12.8% walk rate, along with a over 7-point drop in his K rate from 24.3 in 2019 all the way down to 17.1 last year. So he just wasn't striking anyone out. I think people were able to wait on him because he also had a tendency last year to pull the ball when he was throwing. And if you look at his heat maps on Savant, a lot of his pitches were sitting on the same half of the plate. So not only did you have to eliminate basically a couple of pitches that just weren't commanded well enough, you also didn't really have to look anymore except for his glove side for him to throw the ball, which is pretty makes it easier as a hitter. Um, his ERA did drop from 2019 to 2020, but his xERA era because of all of the stuff that I just said, ballooned a full two points to almost seven at 6.87. The long and short of it is that he really does have a lot of good stuff. It's just that he hasn't been able to command it well, and he repeatedly executed his pitches poorly last year. On to some better stuff now. Yasmani Grandal and Jonathan Lucroy, two veteran catchers, have been raving about what they've seen from Cease in small samples this spring, and Grandal has been quoted as saying that he thinks he could be a Cy Young finalist or winner someday, which when you have two veteran, I feel like you hear coaches sometimes saying good things about their players, which obviously they should be saying good things about their players, um, but they tend to speak in generalities and things like that, but I feel like catchers like this that have been around for a long time aren't going to sugarcoat things and they know where he needs to be to make sure that he can develop the way he needs to. Uh, I think that's really great to hear from both of them this early in the season. Along with that, I also think that the support of the veteran pitchers around him, including like just SPs one through three, when you have Giolito, uh Dallas Keuchel and Lance Lynn ahead of you, that takes a little bit of pressure off early in the season to not have to perform as highly when you have that many guys ahead of you that are studs. Uh, I think that, a little bit of pressure that was taken off will allow him to kind of relax a little bit and get out of his own head. Not only that, if you actually go to the White Sox Twitter page and you look at the work that Ethan Katz does with specific pitchers like Renaldo Lopez as well as Dylan Cease, you can see that he really puts an emphasis on being mindful of every single rep they take and approaching each rep with purpose. And that's something that I think is what made Lucas G Alito much better as a pitcher. You can tell that he's a very calming presence during those bullpen sessions, and I think that's going to benefit Cease as well. Schedule-wise, Cease gets to start every fifth game. Well, if he gets to start every fifth game to start the season, he's probably going to have the Angels, Royals, and then Cleveland twice to begin the year, and I think that's a pretty good start to the season difficulty-wise and should allow him to get in a pretty good groove. Personally, I am all over him at his ADP, And if you want to hear Schwebzee break him down as well, you can listen to the episode of On the Wire that we just did with uh, Adam Howe and Kevin Hastings, where we did a post-350 mock draft. Uh, The guys from Keeper Cut, Pete Ball, and Chad Young were also there as well. Uh, But Schwebzee also went over Dylan Cease at that point. We're both pretty high on him, aren't we, Schwebzee?
2: I'm frankly appalled that you've picked Dylan Cease here because we did this draft, and in this draft, I had... One, one. I had the first pick overall and I picked Dylan Cease. And then we come over to do our podcast and I get sniped by my own co host on my own podcast. And I don't know how that even
1: happens. This is, this was my guy. What can I say? You're, 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 uh, you're pretty convincing, Schwebs. What can I say?
2: Yeah. So I, I, Basically, my, my the, the gist of what uh, I talked about on that podcast, and you should absolutely go listen to it because there's a, a lot of great information on a lot of uh, deeper options, basically across the entire spectrum of positions. Uh, the, the reason that I like Cease is because possibly with the help of Katz, he was able to correctly identify what was wrong with his repertoire, what was wrong with his approach, and uh, why his great stuff wasn't playing up. He was able to correctly identify what was going wrong. And I mean, that's the first step. You need to know that there's a problem in order to correct the problem. So he's trying to fix the cut on his fastball and he's trying to fix the command, which, uh, you know, if he can do either or both of those
1: things, you're going to see it in his performance because the stuff is there. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like we did see in that start earlier this week that some of that cut on that fastball was still there. And it actually doesn't really work to his benefit. Like, you know, A lot of people really like having a little bit of cut on their fastball and it plays well for them. But with Cease's particular repertoire, it doesn't play up as well for him and his movement profile that he needs for his fastball. So if he could get that straightened out a little bit, I think it would play much better uh, off of his slider, which is, a, I mean, it's a legit put-away pitch. It's very, very good. And he seems to have a very good feel for it. So, yeah, I mean, both of us pretty high.
2: I feel like no one with a slider that good should have such a low k rate
1: yeah like well that's the thing he was just walking so many people last year he had very very weak command of all of his offerings and he also i mean with his change up especially like if you look at the savant page at his heat map for his change up last year the brightest red portion is literally middle middle of the zone so it's no wonder that it got crushed that's not hopefully something that's going to continue to occur obviously there are seem it seems that they're trying to remove it or lessen his usage of it uh in his repertoire but mm-hmm. my and, and that's the thing one of the ones that he threw i think was belt high again at least the one that i knew for sure was a change up in this game earlier this week he threw it belt high again which was not great uh so hopefully he moves away from throwing it completely or leaves it at like less than a five percent usage rate or something like that but like i don't know if he sticks to that fastball and that slider as the two main offerings and that curveball can eventually develop some feel then i think he's gonna be pretty dangerous
2: yeah no i uh there are a lot of people in the community who are very hyped up about cease and have talked him up as a i I, i've heard him claimed as like a basically like a guaranteed top 30 starter this year which is bold but there are there are a lot of very smart people who are very confident in his ability to turn it around and be a real thing this year so uh my turn
1: yeah. I mean, you've got another very good one that I think we're both also very high on. This is this is one that I mean, most I think I first started looking at this pitcher mostly when Mikey Ahedo started uh pumping him up, which obviously Mikey would do it because it's a Mariner, but there's something there for sure. Schwebs, take it away.
2: Yeah, so I mean, the the early trend here, we we have chosen two guys who are relatively popular sleeper picks here. So I I apologize if this is not useful information for you guys. I I hope that we're not just giving you guys like, oh, duh, of course, information. And I hope we can actually like, you know, verbalize like why these guys are such strong picks and maybe encourage you to take them even higher than you were already thinking. Yeah. So, yeah, here, I'm going to try to sell you on why you say Kikuchi should be drafted even higher than you might be thinking. So if you just look at his 2020 surface level stats, they weren't great. He put up basically the same ERA as 2019, which was bad. It was like mid fives. He struck out a few more guys, which we like, but also walked a few more guys. So you might think that balances out. We don't like that. The Ks and walks wound up equaling a really good thing, though, because his K minus walk percentage went up by almost 5%, which is a really significant amount. So Kikuchi jumped from a 16% K rate to over 24%, which is like a 50% increase in K rate. And that's huge, but small sample size, is it sustainable? Kikuchi's four-seamer whiff rate doubled from 2019 to 2020, and his slider jumped from 26% to nearly 39%. Those are huge jumps in individual pitch metrics. So like just based on that, Yeah, I would say that the increase in K percentage is sustainable. So we're already looking at positives here. A big reason that his per pitch metrics were better year over year is that he was just straight up throwing harder. From 19 to 20, Kikuchi saw a 2.5 mile per hour increase on his fastball, which is a huge leap and does wonders for a fastball's performance. I often find myself saying, reading, uh, hearing that a Jump in fastball velocity often portends a jump in performance altogether. We hear that a lot with John Means this year. And Kikuchi's year to year pitch mix is incredibly interesting also, as he completely scrapped his curveball, which he threw 15, 16% of the time in 2019. And he went from throwing literally no cutters in 2019 to the cutter suddenly being his bread and butter pitch in 2020 he went from throwing it not at all to being literally like the third most prominent user of the pitch. He was th- he threw it 40, almost 44% of the time in 2020. Again, huge change, actionable information. The cutter is new, but it's also wildly important to the new and improved Kikuchi. Cause the pitch got hit pretty hard and it doesn't get a ton of whiffs. So you might not think it's that good. doesn't get an extraordinary CSW. Like it's good, not great. So why is it so important? Ground balls. Kikuchi's cutter ground ball rate was 49% as per Alex Chamberlain's uh, pitch uh, What pitch leaderboard. Is that what we call it? Yes. But yeah. So Alex Chamberlain's pitch leaderboard shows that uh, Kikuchi's cutter ground ball rate was 49%, which was the best in baseball for cutters with at least 20 batted ball events. On top of that, the pitch was only hit solidly or barreled three times on the season. So... Even though the ball was getting hit hard, it was getting hit hard straight into the ground. So with a decent enough CSW and the ball just not getting hit hard in the air, the batters just aren't doing anything with it when they do make contact with it. So we wind up having a really elite pitch, turning out positive results the vast majority of the time. There's more to like with Kikuchi that I'm not going to dive too far into. Because Kikuchi is one of those players that I just find myself liking more and more the more that I look into him. Like his extension was better year over year. He got better than average vertical movement on all of his pitches. And when it comes to missing bats, we like vertical movement more than we like horizontal movement in general. Uh, and he's his low home run rate in 2020 was also encouraging, because given all of the other like changes to his repertoire and the way his pitches move and everything. I do believe that the low home run rate might be sustainable. So yeah, lots to like. And I could just go on all day about him, but we've got other players to talk about. So I think at the end of the day, we're going to get a sub four ERA. I think we're going to get close to a strikeout per inning. And both of those things would beat out his projections by like a a good amount. So I think what we've got here is someone who's going to wildly outperform his ADP. By Fantasy Pro's average ADP, He's currently going around pick 323, and he's going after arms like Tanner Hauk, who I bring up just to make Jordan sad. Uh, He's going after the ghost of Adam Wainwright. He's going after perpetual sleepers like Matthew Boyd. Sorry, Nick. Robbie Ray, Griffin Canning. Like I would happily draft Kikuchi at least 50 or 60 spots earlier in the range of guys like uh, Yarbrough, Singer, Eliezer Hernandez there are guys going a hundred picks before Kikuchi who I'd rather have Kikuchi then like I'd be, I, I might take him like a hundred spots above his ADP, honestly.
1: Yeah. I think he's better than a lot of people are giving him credit for. Um, I know that I reached for him a little bit in my NFB or sorry, in my uh, TG draft. Cause I really, really needed pitching at a certain point, And I really liked him a lot. And I realized a little bit too late in around like whatever I got him in that I was going to need to reach for players like him if I really wanted to get them. And I was glad to be able to snag him. But yeah, I mean, I could definitely see reaching around like pick 220, 240, right in that range for Kikuchi if he's going around 327, just because I think, like you said, he does match the quality of a lot of the different pitchers that you can get in that range.
2: Yeah, so we're, we're using uh, we're, we're using Fantasy Pro's average ADP across multiple platforms here. And like, there so... James Paxton is going hundred spots over Kikuchi. I'd rather have Kikuchi. Oh, I, would too. I have no idea what I'm getting from Paxton this year. Whereas I feel pretty confident that I'm going to get a pretty good year from Kikuchi. John Means is going 222, which is about a hundred spots ahead of Kikuchi. I feel like they're pretty much like they're, they're similar pitchers, right? Like they've, they underperformed previously. We've got some velo spikes. We're expecting better performance why isn't Kikuchi seeing this same kind of helium? I I just don't get it.
1: It's fair. I mean, honestly, if you had to guess by the end of the year, where do you think Kikuchi ranks in terms of starting pitchers, like 1 through 100? Where do you think he ends up? Do you think he ends up like top 50, top 75? Like what range would you put him in?
2: I think I would put him as an easy top 75. And I, I think that's saying a good bit because he's currently like 111 as far as ADP is concerned. So I I think we could see him in the top 75 relatively easily, maybe as high as like around number 60, which is where like Aaron Savali is going right now. I feel like that's kind of where he might peak.
1: Yeah. I mean, I could, I'm trying to think where I would see him ending up. I would say that I would probably feel comfortable saying that he's going to be like a top 65 pitcher. And that's around like, Here, let's see here. I'm just going to pull this up real quick because there is a new, as of today, as we're recording this, there's a new top 100 list from Nick. Hey, so let's take a peek at this real quick. So in the range of pitchers like uh, fellow, so you've got like Zach Davies, Jake Odorizzi, Carlos Martinez, uh, right around this 65 to 70 range. And then you've got just above that, it's Marco Gonzalez, fellow Seattle pitcher, and Dallas Keuchel in this tier here. I could see Kikuchi sneaking into this tier pretty easily.
2: Yeah, so we can already see the him rising up because from the last list to this one, Kikuchi has already gone from 96 to 88. And I honestly I kind of feel like Nick is being a little bit conservative here because I see no reason that Kikuchi can't outperform like Dane Dunning, Alec Mills, like all all these guys that he has ahead of him. Like Tony Gonsolin, just by nature of having a starting job all year long, I could see Kikuchi easily outperforming Gonsolin.
1: Yeah, Gonsolin. I mean, you look at someone like that. I mean, Bumgarner, we're not sure where he's at necessarily. Uh, Looked good so far this spring, but we don't know where he's at health-wise or Velo-wise if he's going to be back near where he was. He's never been a hard thrower. but uh, And then you've got folks like, I don't know, Michael Lorenzen. I don't know exactly what's going to happen with Lorenzen in cincinnati either i i I do think that i would feel comfortable yeah probably like i think top 60 is his absolute peak i don't see him necessarily passing up folks like herman marquez or david price at the 58 or 59 mark that nick has listed here but i think like right around 60 is i think where kikuchi's ceiling would be
2: so the main takeaway from this is that uh we we disagree with nick's list entirely and we hate it
1: i think we need to make our own list webs
2: Oh man. Actually, you know what? I think no, no.
1: Nick Nick would honestly love nothing more than if we did our own list. He would love it and I would hate it. Can't I can't do it. I can't take that kind of pressure. The analysis paralysis that you would be under, I cannot even imagine.
2: I'm just here to spit hot takes and immediately forget everything that I talked about. No accountability on a podcast. The list is there forever.
1: <laughs> Gold goldfish level memory. <laughs> just like I'm gonna say something and then it it is gone completely.
2: The lifespan of my takes is like 30 seconds.
1: (laughs) My takes are not my responsibility after they leave my mouth. They're for everyone else to handle. That's, that's what Trebsy is basically saying right now.
2: It's like, it's like those Twitter disclaimers. Like the, the thought, the thoughts here, you know, the thoughts expressed here are, are my own and not like my company's just completely the opposite. I like, I'm just going to blame. I'm just going to shirk all the responsibility here to picture and take none for myself.
1: Thoughts expressed here expressly, uh, uh owned nick by <laughs> owned by nick pollock and pitcher list of that pitcher list <laughs> all right so
2: do you want to do, so something that we brought up in the first episode and then kind of forgot about totally failed to do <laughs> we 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 need to we need to make board bets do you want to do you want to make these picks board bets kikuchi versus uh cease? kikuchi versus cease
1: yeah i'll take cease yeah i'll take cease in this Since you went and sniped my pick, I'm going to take revenge by winning this board bet. How are we we going to uh, judge this? Are we going to do it by roto category? Yeah, that feels safe. You
2: take the five roto categories, uh, and it's like a head-to-head matchup. And uh, yeah, whoever has the most wins, whoever has the better ERA, give them... Well, actually, saves aren't a thing, so I guess you could wind up in a tie. So in the event of a tie... No, we can add
1: quality starts. You could. We can do wins, quality starts, ERA, whip and uh case
2: yeah that seems fair all right let's do it put so up, put it on the board put it on the board it's up We'll 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 document this all somewhere so that people can follow along if they so choose
1: yeah we'll probably do like a we could probably do like a, a doc that we can put up on the twitter page and pin it or something like that If people want to follow yeah. along
2: but so why don't we uh why don't we move on to our deeper picks
1: yeah i went to like the second sub level for my pick uh this is deep this is deep 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 So according to Fantasy Pros, I mean, there's three platforms that no one has even taken him. He's not even listed. So he is... I just
2: attribute this to your love of jorts, honestly.
1: It is. It really is. Yeah. You know, it's the highly anticipated return of bullpen jorts man, Aaron Sanchez. Bullpen jorts that aren't actually jorts. Yeah, Sanchez just threw his first simulated game, finally, since signing with the Giants on March 14th, and manager gabe kapler liked what he saw saying that he looked great and he was sitting around like 94 on the gun which is good it was lower than the 98 that he was hitting in the bullpen before he signed which i don't think anyone thought that that was what he what aaron sanchez was or was going is or was going to be um but it is encouraging and the fact that he's sitting at 94 which it was his velo previously before he had his shoulder surgery is always nice to see especially at this point in spring training uh sanchez also spoke to the fact after his simulated game that he felt like his stamina's in a really good place and he could have gone another three or four innings past the three that he pitched if he wanted to which is definitely excellent to hear while it's assumed at this point that sanchez will be a part of the rotation on opening day uh president of baseball operations farhan zaidi said that they don't want to commit to saying what the rotation's going to look like or that they're going to go with a five man or six man or whatever it's going to be a very fluid situation And it makes sense considering what their rotation makeup currently looks like. Outside of Kevin Gausman, it's really, really unlikely that anyone from that starting rotation ends up starting more than like 25 games, especially when you have, obviously, Aaron Sanchez coming back from his shoulder surgery. And then you also have Alex Wood, who will be coming back from his ablation surgery that he just had on his spine, which I know an ablation on your spine sounds like a very serious thing, but apparently the recovery is pretty quick, so he should be back soon. And then even like Tyler Beatty is going to get a few starts in the latter third of the season once he comes back from his Tommy John surgery. So while Sanchez isn't necessarily going to have a ton of volume at pick 600, you're kind of just going to take what you can get. And I think that Sanchez is a pretty good choice here. One nice thing about Sanchez is that he does have some performance incentives that are built into his contract. So he does have a reason to stay healthy and get on the bump as many times as he can during this season. And along with that, He's in a super pitcher-friendly park, historically, quote-unquote. So that's hopefully going to re- result in better outcomes. I think the biggest key to his success, though, is going to be the curveball, which in the past flashed really dominant at times when he's been able to command it, but it's been a little bit here or there. In 2019, he had a 29.5% O swing, a 40% zone percentage, and a 15.4% whiff rate, which is not quite money pitch-worthy, ka sound effect, but if he's able to spin it effectively, it'll be a really, really good pitch for him. And I think it's going to be a fantastic secondary at the end of the day. This is a super duper low information pick at pick 600. You're not going to have a ton of information on any one guy, but he's a guy that has some track record of success. Like he took seventh in the ALSI young voting in 2016. So I would implore you if your league is deep enough where you're going 600 picks deep, please take a flyer on Aaron Sanchez. Cause he's absolutely going to be there for you. This couple things yes firstly
2: i am going to use that clip of you saying you know money sound effect and i'm just going to use anything but a ka oh no sound effect it's going to be ka sound effect
1: just any just, just else. a trap horn or maybe like uh the wilhelm scream would be good <laughs> i would do that <laughs> when, when if this pick ends when, when any of my picks end up just falling off a cliff yeah, you can you can use the Wilhelm scream to just show how poorly I di- I did. But yeah, I don't know. Aaron Sanchez, good. Jorts good. Schwebsy. Jorts great. <laughs> Jorts great. Jorts grand. Yeah, so that that
2: like Alex Wood injury thing mm-hmm. is getting like uh, I I love how like it it's like it's like that athlete thing where it's like it's a minor thing for him coming back and like his recovery time, yeah. but in like real people terms, it's horrifying. He's getting like a nerve burned out of his yeah. back. Yeah, an ablation is, is getting a
1: nerve, yeah, a nerve burned out of your back that is acting out. That is frightening Ugh, to be an issue. Hard pass. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But uh so all right. So my question about Aaron Sanchez for you would be Yes. What kind what kind of league would you be drafting him in? What what are you ta- what are you why would you want him like what kind of stats would you be expecting? Like where can he help you?
1: So I don't think that you're really going to be drafting him at pick 600. There's not many leagues that are going that deep. That's like we're talking like a 30 team league at this point, um, which plenty of them exist. There so, are this some that exist for so this some. is relevant. This is relevant. I do think that leagues where you're going to be looking for volume and you want to take a flyer on someone who is going to be getting consistent starts, because that's the thing. This year, we don't know what people are going to look like, like volume wise. We don't know what inning limits are going to be placed mm-hmm. on certain pitchers. Sanchez is seemingly very healthy, seemingly in good shape, and is going to get the innings in San Francisco. He's going to be probably like SP three or four there for them.
2: Do you think there's a world where Sanchez becomes ownable in like NL only or like as a streamer? Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I think that if Sanchez, like it's kind of like a wait and see, I would say in a lot of cases, but you should definitely keep an eye on him and see if he plays well the first few games or throws pretty well. I mean, I would feel fine using him as a streamer against weaker lineups, if you need them.
2: Yeah. Like Colorado away from home, maybe. Or, yeah, exactly. Or like if they have Arizona Colorado, like, away from home. Yeah. If they
1: have Colorado, or Arizona in, uh, God, what is the field? Oh my God. Oracle, AT&T
2: Oracle. Is it always an Oracle now? I can't remember. I know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If they have, if they have like Colorado in Oracle, if they have Arizona in Oracle, just like any weaker lineup that you can think of, and he's going to be pitching at home, I would feel super duper confident about that in streaming him.
2: All right. And, you know, I, I mean, just just if you're looking at the waiver wire and you're in a situation where you're looking at Aaron Sanchez, just picture him shoving in jorts and have some confidence picking him up.
1: We need to post that. That needs to be like our pinned tweet is just him shoving in jorts. Uh, all right. So
2: on to my pick. So I don't think I went as deep here as I should have. It's just there is a pitcher sitting there at about 415 who I feel very strongly about, who I already own in several leagues. So I like to practice what I preach. And this is this is a guy that I'm targeting down in the 400 plus range, Uh, Trevor Rogers. And it's a kind of generic name. So you might be like, who? But Trevor Rogers is a former top 10 prospect well, I guess I guess currently still top 10 prospect because I don't think he's lost his eligibility yet uh, of the you know, he's still Miami minors. Marlins he's still minors eligible
1: yeah. in a lot of fantasy leagues yeah
2: yeah so uh Trevor Rogers looks like he could be the four or five starter in Miami this season uh I'm a major Trevor Rogers fan and I'm really really mad at Ray Butler of Prospects 365 for writing like the best piece of, of analysis on Trevor Rogers that I've found And he dropped it right in the middle of TGFBI drafts, and then Rodgers immediately went in my league, which was very upsetting for me because I thought I could get him like five rounds later. So he shined a really bright spotlight on this under-the-radar upside play. Uh, And the bad part for me personally right now in this moment is that the article is fantastic and thorough, and it's so good, and anything that I now say about Trevor Rodgers is going to be derivative. Whatever. Uh, If you've made it this far into In the Deep, uh, you've realized that uh, you've either realized that I'm a fraud and embraced that, or I've fooled you into thinking that I'm not a fraud. So, Trevor Rogers. (laughs) The reason to buy in on him is pretty simple. The stuff was fantastic and the expected stats were fantastic. The surface level stats, other than the strikeouts, were underwhelming. Like, the walks weren't great, the earned runs weren't great, but basically every expected stat that you can imagine which is like earned versus like what he actually did everything was great like even like alex chamberlain has a deserved walk rate uh, on his pitch leaderboard his tableau and even that shows that he probably should have walked fewer batters and that was his biggest bugaboo it's like like even even with his high walk rate his k minus walk percentage was like 20% i think And that's a fantastic number. And arguably it should have been better. Just literally everything about his profile screams that he should have been basically elite last year and underperformed like wildly. So it's not always that simple. Like it's generally pretty bad analysis to look at a savant page, see a lot of red and go, ooh, percentiles go brr. (laughs) But in this case, it kind of checks out. Like, he gets swings and misses. He gets good results when the ball does get hit. It doesn't get hit very hard. Like, there's not much to not like. Now, when you're talking young pitchers, anything can happen. But this is one that I'm very much betting on. I already own shares of him in several dynasty leagues, including one that uh, Jordan and I co owned together. And uh I would like to point out this was before the Butler article. That was. He so, was
1: I will say that Schwebsey yeah. was very high on Trevor Rogers before that article came out and was very adamant about us taking him in the Dynasty League.
2: My flag was has been planted. <laughs> so I'm actually I'm I'm kind of starting to look at Miami as like a pitching factor pitching factory in a similar vein as like Tampa Bay or Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Like I'm willing to give their pitchers harder looks. Than I might normally like broadly, it seems like a lot of their pitchers are performing at or close to what you'd expect their peak performance levels to be. Like Sandy Alcantara, Pablo yeah. Lopez, um, Sixto Sanchez, and I mean, even look at the guys who left, like Zach Gallen. Um, oh god, I'm forgetting the guy, uh, he's on the Diamondbacks now. I'm blanking so hard.
1: Uh, Zach Gallen,
0: <laughs>
2: other otherwise. other one. <laughs> other one. <laughs> Uh, zach gallon Caleb Smith oh there there's Caleb just Smith. Yeah. so many yeah there's just so many guys who have been on miami or are currently on miami and they just they just seem to pan out like all of them lately so I'm very much in on their pitching development and i just i don't so i i think it's like somehow the hype has gone like kind of team-wide, and I've wound up with like no Miami pitchers on my teams this year, which surprised me because I really expected to. But uh no, I, I love me, I love some Mr. Rogers, and I have him on all my dynasty teams at this point. So him being on Miami does present some risks to be mindful of, as there are some very good offenses in the NL East. Uh he generally gets to pitch in good ballparks, but we might be looking at if if he's like the number five starter, we could be looking at an early season matchup at Atlanta. So I'm probably not starting him there. Might get us might get a start at New York, which isn't too bad as far as like environment, but New York does have a fantastic offense. Yeah, but like other than those two series, like the early season schedule is pretty nice. Like there's a reasonable chance that Rogers gets some cushy matchups early and like starts off hot and becomes one of the most popular early season pickups because he's like, he's getting some helium in the community. So the second he starts pitching, well he's going to be on every single ad drop article and you want to get him before that. Like you don't want the competition, just draft him in your last round or right before your last round. If you're in a shallow league or if you're in a deeper league, target him in, in, you know, round 25 or whatever. Uh, get you know before the bandwagon takes off get on and uh yeah basically what i'm saying now is this is a guy who could be a top 50 starting pitcher next year so you know get on early
1: like i i have have no i have no critiques no comments like i have nothing no questions to ask even because you literally covered everything schwebs hey i was like holding a hand up about to say something and then i was like oh wait he's he's getting to it never mind okay
2: you know me very thorough never miss a thing
1: Always, except for the fact that Nelson Cruz is on the Minnesota Twins,
2: and that, <laughs> and and I forgot what kind of dogs Shelley had. Very briefly, imagine the audacity!
1: The audacity! I just had like a really good joke. I was trying to think of before. Oh, do you think that there's anyone out there that has um, Trevor Rogers and like Gleyber Torres on a team, and they can name their team Mr. Rogers Yeah. <laughs> I I now
2: wait. Hang on. Oh no! I I have Glaber and TGFBI, but I didn't get Trevor Rogers because Micah Henry sniped him. I didn't even snipe him. He took him so early. He planted. He planted his
1: flag. Rip. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Not a bad thing. I mean, everyone was getting sniped in that. Everyone's just so good. But
2: or you you could own Alex Wood and you know Mr, <laughs> Mr. Rogers Glaber Wood. <laughs> uh wait Wait, we can go deeper we can go deeper we can always
1: go deeper uh there's got to be something that sounds like mr uh doug fister is is uh yeah that would be a good one
2: (laughs) for former former major league pitcher (laughs) i think possibly
1: whistler matt whistler oh yeah but who's going to own him in fantasy no one probably well i mean what he he could potentially get the closer's job in that's true yeah so there is a possibility that uh, people end up owning shares of man
2: San Francisco San Francisco is really coming in clutch in this incredibly drawn out and bad bit
1: <laughs> we're sorry uh for using you uh for our bit San Francisco we apologize we're, we'll workshop it uh so beyond the folks that we chose to focus on heavily here we also had a few honorable mentions or quick hits that we want to kind of go through uh Schwebs do you want to talk about Chad Cool real quick
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just gonna we're just gonna be brief on these guys. It's just guys that we're looking at in like the five hundred plus range because, I mean, these are these are guys that will wind up being streaming options for you at some point during the year, probably. Or if you're in one of those crazy deep leagues like the Guillotine League he was talking about, or a thirty teamer, like I know some of you guys participate in. uh, These are guys that you're gonna want to look at. So Chad Cool is one of those guys who always seems to be hurt. And then every time he's not hurt, we're like, oh, yeah, streaming option. Make sure you pick this guy up or, you know, it, it, when the matchup is good, whatever. Cool strikes out plenty of guys. The stuff is there. It's a nasty slider. The the velo is there. It's just he just, you know, every, every time he's good for a stretch, he then winds up getting hurt. Well, it's the start of the year. He's healthy. Get him now before he gets hurt. You know, he's going to have some good performances. He plays in the NL Central where the most of the teams are underwhelming. So, you know. I, I promise you he's going to have, like, a couple of really good starts in April, probably become a popular waiver wire pickup, and then get hurt. That's just what he does. So, you know, make sure make sure that you're the owner when he has those good starts.
1: And then after that, we got uh, Austin Gomber, who came over in return for the Arenado. Uh, uh, I wouldn't call it a trade. More so, I would call it a fleecing. The heist? Yeah. The absolute audacity of, oh God, it was the, amazing. The
2: appalling transaction.
1: Yeah. The what? What? The why? The how? Uh, yeah, it came over to the Rockies in that awful, awful trade. Has looked pretty good so far this spring. Schwebs, do you have uh, any specifics on that?
2: Yeah. So every uh, the, the immediate reaction of the fantasy community when Gomber came over in that trade was like, huh? I can, like, I can kind of see it because Gomber is a guy who has historically kept the ball in the ballpark. And I mean, that's a great quality to have in Colorado. Now, Colorado is uh, like like the, the conception can be like misconstrued a little bit. Uh, is that redundant? That's probably redundant. Whatever. The perception of Colorado is that it's a great offensive ballpark and some people take that to mean the ball flies out of it. And while that can be true because of the thin air, Really, like the big thing about Colorado's ballpark is that the the outfield is massive. Yep. And that's why you see all of these really sky high batting averages in Colorado. That's why so many uh, batting champions come from Colorado. So, I mean, Gomber keeps the ball in the ballpark, and that's a definite plus. So, I think he's going to wind up being like a Babbitt-dependent guy. Like, if Colorado can play strong defense behind him he could wind up being like a, a sleeper kind of pitcher. I, I I really wouldn't be surprised if Gomber wound up being like their number three this year behind Marquez and uh, maybe he could be their number two.
1: God. So it is like Marquez, they have John Gray, Antonio yeah. Sensatella. And then I can't remember who the other p- starter would be.
2: Yeah. Like, I mean, I, uh, there's something there. I, I think there's a quality pitcher there and i don't know if colorado is the right place to unlock it but i'm i'm willing to take a shot in like an nl only league
1: what's the thing like nl west if he ends up pitching a game in oracle where he's got a nice favorable park to pitch in then hey maybe stream him there or something like that if you don't like the idea of trying to stream him while he's pitching at home um there's going to be times where he will have favorable matchups and favorable park conditions that will help him succeed with his certain skill set so i mean He's looked so he's looked good so far this spring. I got to look and see exactly. I just want to look this up real quick and see if I can find it. Um oh goodness. So,
2: Austin Gomber so far this spring has pitched 7 innings uh, across 3 starts. He's only given up 5 hits, struck out 8, walked 2.
1: It's good ratios. It's pretty good ratios. Yeah. And
2: I I mean, I it's the height of bad analysis to like scout spring training stat lines. But I do like to pay attention to at least like their their strikeout and walk numbers just to see see if they're
1: commanding. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Overall, he's looked halfway decent so far. So another good one there. Uh, You got another one here with Logan Webb.
2: Yeah. So Logan Webb was a I don't want to say popular sleeper pick last year, but he was talked about and then he got hurt and now he's back. And he is shoving in spring training. Once again, we are scouting spring training stat lines where he has 10 strikeouts in one walk through six innings. And the 10 strikeouts in six innings is particularly appealing because he wasn't notably a strikeout pitcher before. Like he's had the odd big strikeout game here and there. But uh, yeah, I, I think Webb is another guy who is absolutely like a streamer target. I doubt he ever gets to like, you know, 12 team mixed league viability. But in in NL only league, I have a really strong feeling that Logan Webb is going to be like a must own by the end of the year.
1: Fair enough. Uh, Anyone else you want to talk about with honorable mentions or quick hits?
2: Yeah. Last guy. Uh, I just want to put a spotlight on the Mets fifth starting rotation spot. Um, Right now, it, it looks like it's going to be Joey Lucchese. Uh, It's kind of, I think it's between Lucchese and Yamamoto. Both of them are kind of shoving in spring training right now, but from a fantasy perspective, the only one that I'm particularly interested in is Lucchese because he's got his one really elite pitch in his churve and he has historically struck guys out with it. I don't think he should ever, ever, ever see a lineup the third time through, but I think he could be a really strong, like four inning pitcher, or like a piggyback starter. If the Mets ever decide to get fancy and use like an opener, I think Lucchese would be a fantastic follower and be as good as any of the Tampa Bay guys back when they were, you know, doing the whole opener thing more prevalently.
1: I like that one a lot.
2: It's prevalently a word. Prevalently. Prevalently.
1: We're learning how to speak the English language.
2: Words are hard, guys.
1: Doing a podcast. We're so good at this.
2: I so as an editor for Pitcherlist, I rely on you for when I when when word vomit comes out, and then I check in with you. I'm like, was that a word? Did I just say? uh, Did I just make up a word on the
1: spot? And I just shake my head, and I just say, "Oh my sweet summer child."
2: One day I'll learn English,
1: Uh, and then just give him a little pat on the head. You
2: Uh, tried, Swabzi. You tried. You
1: tried. Uh, All right. So real quick. I know that we have a few prospects on this sheet here that we we're going to try to talk about. Let's keep it to one apiece. Sure. Cool. Okay. One prospect that you think has been having a pretty killer spring training so far that might force teams hands, maybe not necessarily for opening day, but as the season goes on and maybe like the latter half of the season, once they expand the rosters.
2: All right, so this is, a, I think, a little bit more than an educated guess because that crappy Mariners executive that got fired said that Logan Gilbert, they might be looking at him for May, like, mm-hmm. and given the other crappy things that he said, I have no reason to think that he was being dishonest because he was being a real jerk, and why would you lie about that one thing? So, so far in spring training, Gilbert's only thrown a couple of innings, but he struck out david he made david fletcher look silly on a strikeout and then he then he followed that up by striking out mike trout and it's like can you have a better debut like david fletcher is historically one of the hardest pitchers in the majors to strike out and mike trout is mike trout yeah. so like that's promising i think he struck out four guys in his two innings so far in the spring he's not going to start with the team the the odds of that are basically Infin- in infinitesimal infinitesimal god i'm i'm wording so good today infinitesimal
1: <laughs> i think sure i think
2: god this is the problem when you when you read you read words you 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 absorb the words and then you try to spit the words out without ever having heard them or <laughs> whatever words are hard are
1: you're trying to say in a very subtle way that you're very well read but you're not very I, well I, spoken i or? have i have many <laughs> i have
2: many leather bound books Smells of rich mahogany. Oh, God. <laughs> oh God! Professional podcaster.
1: We're so good at this. Uh, but yes, Logan Gilbert. Oh yeah,
2: Logan Gilbert. Uh, I think we could see Logan Gilbert in May. The Mariners are doing a six-man rotation, and like three of them are any good. Yeah. So uh, there's every chance that one of them falters, and uh, we're looking at Logan Gilbert in May. And I, I, I think once he does come up, he's
1: not going to look back. Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty easy call to make. I think um, probably the safest bet out of most of the pitching prospects to come up, or especially early in the year, as early in the year as this. Um, him and like Mackenzie Gore, I think, are probably the two that are most likely to see action early in the year, um, though I could see them keeping Gore back a bit because they do have a ton of depth at that starting pitcher spot as it stands in San Diego. But yeah, Logan Gilbert, a really, really good pick uh, for me. I'm going to continue to be the homer that I am and choose Aaron Ashby. So Aaron Ashby, I talked about him, I think, a fair amount last time we had an episode. So I'm not going to spend too much time. But the thing is, like, beyond Brandon Woodruff, Josh Lindblom or Corbin Burns and Josh Lindblom, I'm going to put them in the order in which I would actually put them in real life. I mean, we have Adrian Hauser and Brett Anderson as SPs four and five. And then beyond that, you have like Freddie Peralta who can maybe come in and be like an opener right now. Uh, Brent Suter. Uh, Not a whole lot there in terms of starting pitching depth. Aaron Ashby has been absolutely killing it this spring training. And not just that, when they sent a lot of the non-roster invitees, the minor leaguers, uh, back down last week to their respective camps, he wasn't on that list. He's getting to spend more time with the big league squad, which makes me think that he's actually going to end up coming up much earlier than we expect. So I think at the very latest, he ends up on the Brewers roster near the end of the year, like say like August, September. I do think that a couple months into the season, he might make an appearance if he plays well in double uh, life. And I would love to see, I mean, okay, here we go. Here's another board bet. I'm going to say that by spring training next year, Aaron Ashby is going to be the Brewers number four starter. By next spring train, yes. okay. So that that
2: gets noted on the board bet, but that, I think that's a 2022 board bet. Okay,
1: because like, sorry. Okay, I I will say that. Okay, no, you know what? God have you know time what? frames no, on whatever. this thing, Jordan. No, I <laughs> will say by the end of the season, Aaron Ashby is the Brewers' number Ooh. four starter. Oh there's God, a bold. The- there, there's a bold prediction. There's a free win for you, Schwebs. God,
2: I really appreciate you giving me all these layups on the board bets. I mean, can't wait till you have to write that. Glowing article about J.D. Davis. That's,
1: that's three inches from the pin. You, that's a tap-in for you. <laughs> I don't know why I'm making golf jokes. I don't play golf anymore, but.
2: Oh, I mean, I mean if, if this is, if this is, a, we have to take into consideration that as a basketball player, I habitually miss layups when uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those, I'm one of those guys that like is nails from three point and then can't hit a layup to save my life. So you know, layups aren't necessarily a good thing for me. Yeah. Um,
1: I have what was described as hockey hands when I tried to play basketball, like pick up in college and stuff like that, because I was a hockey player growing up. I just, I just never really developed the skill set. Uh, I think I tried so like to play basketball. like you were wearing hockey gloves? Not quite. I probably would have been better, honestly, but have had a better <laughs> feel for it. Um, I tried to play basketball for one year in seventh grade and I scored two points the entire season. So that will tell you about as much as you need to know about my basketball prowess. Uh, so yeah, no such thing as an easy layup for me and i'm not going like to you you always myself. remember
2: your you always remember your first and <laughs> and
1: only first and only basket no actually the only points that i scored were on uh two free throws <laughs> the only time i could make a basket was completely uncontested just
2: uncontested <laughs> from a set distance with no one bothering you yep
1: uh but yeah that's that's another free board bet for shrubs i'm
2: going to lose aren't i uh I'm I can't wait to not eat this vegan dish. Hey, can you
1: just yeah, make some the, really for, dumb board bets so I can have a chance, please? Thank you.
2: No, I want to win.
1: Winning's overrated. For
2: for those of for those of you who haven't listened to the first episode, the whole premise of the board bets is that if I win, and when I win, uh Jordan will have to write a glowing article of the player of my choice. And uh if Jordan wins, somehow then I have to eat a vegan dish of his choosing because uh, I I am basically a carnivore. So yeah, I thought the, uh, but I thought the uh, stipulation good was, right now. The
1: stipulation was that I had to make it for you. Well, I mean, is uh, that it? Being in,
2: being, what are you going to make it and then ship it from Milwaukee?
1: I can make you some baked goods. Ooh. Although uh, that's Only. not even a punish. That's not even like a punishment for either of us. I just keep half of it for myself. Vegan baked goods, like. It's just baked goods. It's not a punishment for either of us. Yeah, I make some dope banana bread and cornbread and cinnamon, banana cinnamon muffins and just like any number of things.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm going to lose on purpose now. You're
1: going to lose on purpose?
2: Board bet. Jordan Yamamoto. Cy Young. Put it on the board.
1: I mean, I'm not going really. to count that. No,
2: that's not going on the board bet.
1: <laughs> All right. I think that's everything that we have for this week, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What's a, what's a verbal typo? Because I had like dozens of those this week.
1: A verbal typo, yeah. Um, an oopsie. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> do you have a, you you made lots of oopsies this week? Lots of oopsies. <laughs> they're called more work for Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're called because I edit the podcast too. You're welcome. Not only do I edit Schwabzies written words i also well actually no you don't write for the site never mind i will edit your written words if you do ever write for the site and then i am also editing your spoken words
2: my only goal for today was to drive jordan as crazy as
1: possible in the editing room honestly i think mission accomplished i think no i think i actually i I think i drive myself more crazy in the editing room to be completely honest i'm more critical of myself
2: oh well Well, I'll, i'll try harder next week
1: just breathe really heavily into the mic real quick. So I have to edit it out. Don't actually do that, please. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, that'll be it for us this week. Thank you for joining us to talk about some of these deep starting pitchers. Join us again next week. When we talk about our deep picks for outfielders, that'll wrap up our preseason previews. And then we'll be pretty close to the start of the season, kicking things off. Be sure to follow us on our social media at InTheDeepPL on Twitter, or you can also follow us individually at BuntSingles for me, and then at Schwebzy, that's S-H-W-E-B-S-I for Schwebs. Uh, And then be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platforms like Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. Schwebzy, send them out. Bye, friends.